Hello, my dudes. Hi, welcome back to Previously Gifted. It has been, as usual, a minute since my last upload. Nobody's surprised. I would say this time I have a good excuse, you know, finishing my last semester of my bachelor's degree. And, you know, is it, is it a, an excuse or is it a reason? Or is it just that this podcast is by nature sporadic and I will never stick to a schedule. I don't know, we'll see. But actually, while we've been gone, Previously Gifted had its third birthday. Yes, three years ago in 2017, this podcast was born. And at that time, I had just recently moved to New York. I was unemployed, I was trying to find a job. I was trying to figure out college. Do I wanna drop out? Um, earlier that year, I had been rejected from all of my transfer applications, and I was kind of having a moment, a very stressful moment, and I thought, hey, isn't this a great time to start a podcast where I can literally complain about my problems for an hour at a time? Um, my first episode was actually called, uh, I think, Broke and Confused. Being Broke and Confused is my brand. And that started the podcast off on a low note. I actually recently listened to that episode and some other earlier ones, and they were not as bad as I thought they would be. <laughs> I mean, like, I know this podcast can be kind of depressing sometimes, but hey, that's because I don't like to censor myself. And if I'm feeling down, I think it is helpful to share that. I know some people, you know, you, you might not be in the mood for a, a downer episode, but sometimes you are. You know, I feel that, I relate. Sometimes I crave a downer podcast episode. But anyway, um, it is really amazing to see how my life has changed in the past three years, especially with college, you know, finally transferring and starting that process. And now to finally be done with my bachelor's degree after all this time, all this stress, all the applications and tears um, is really incredible. So I'm feeling very, glad for myself. Sorry, I just heard some crackling and I'm like, is that my mic or it might be my mic. The crackling might happen. I just love technical difficulties, but it's okay. Anyway, this is an episode about personal reflection. I personally get very in my feels at the end of the year. I get very nostalgic. I love to look back on things over the year. And oh, what about last year? What about two years ago? you know what nostalgia is. Um, I'm also a really big fan of setting goals. I, I'm not super strict about it, but I feel like it does help me to have something in mind, something to, you know, push myself toward in some vague way. Um, maybe because I crave the feeling of accomplishment and I want to give myself brownie points, like, oh, you did the thing. So I try to set myself up, like, come on, here's an easy one, here's a softball, you know, drink water. But that ends up being actually the hardest goal I can ever give myself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I have goals from 2019 that I wrote for this year, thinking ahead, being very optimistic, not knowing obviously what 2020 would deliver to us. And I also have some goals for next year. I'm not gonna share my whole list for next year quite yet. It was very strange to sit down and even try to write goals for next year. Because <sighs> I was like, I don't know. I don't know if we can be doing this every year. Can we even be trying to predict the future or the settings in which we will live? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I've also been getting organized. I love like my year end, <laughs> like fixing up my financial tracking and my spreadsheets and then like buying my new planners and my notebooks and just being ready to start fresh. I know some people like don't buy into the whole new year, new me thing, which I don't think I'm a new me, but I feel like I'm like, yeah, there is a little bit of a reset element and also I think this is all especially um, exaggerated this year by the fact that I just graduated. So like, it's not only the end of the year, but it's also like this huge transitional phase in my life where it's like, okay, I'm going from college and juggling YouTube and all that to like, I am transitioning to my post-grad life, my full-time YouTube podcaster who's gonna post consistently. 
I'm, I am uh, thing. So there's a lot of preparation to do and a lot of excitement, a little bit of nerves also. But yeah, so I'm just, that's what kind of vibe I'm in. Um, but I totally understand if you personally have no desire to think about what you did or didn't do this year, or you have zero desire to think of any goals or whatever for next year. I totally get that. Um, in some ways, I didn't want to do this, but I, I feel like it is overall helpful for me to just think about it for a moment. You just have to, you know, consider yourself. Is this something that helps you in some way? And if it doesn't, if it does not serve you, then don't even worry about it, you know? So, so no worries. Um, I also want to send my love and support to all of you. I know this has been a very difficult year, obviously, for everyone, but I also because I'm going to be talking about my life and my experience this year, want to acknowledge my privilege. I have been very lucky in that I've still had my job, I've been able to pay my bills, and I've been living, you know, comfortably. Yes, I've been at home, but like, again, as we've discussed in 2020, if your biggest problem is that you've been sick of sitting in your apartment a lot, you know, that's relatively uh, a good problem to have. So yeah, just want to acknowledge that. And I hope that you guys are all safe and well. And I, I hope that, you know, I, I actually, I hope that our government gets its shit together, the US government, because um, for those of us in the US, especially this whole year and this pandemic has been so much more difficult than it ever needed to be. And it's just proven, you know, the ways that our government is uniquely terrible. Uh, but anyway, this is not going to be a political podcast and it's not going to be, uh, I don't want it to be a heavy podcast. Uh, I want this to be a light kind of episode, so hopefully we can do that. And this is not going to be a comprehensive reflection about the year, obviously. Um, but I think, you know, yeah, again, let's get a light topic. Let's, let's look at these very idealistic, optimistic goals that I had written for myself. We can have a laugh over some of the uh, <laughs> some of the goals that I had. And yeah, we're, we're just gonna, we're gonna be kind to ourselves. We're gonna be kind to our past selves. We're gonna be kind to our future selves. I'm kind to me right now. You know, we, sh <laughs> we should all do that. Anyway, um, I'm gonna start off light, light. So I'm gonna get into my goals in a little bit, but first I wanna start with my Spotify wrapped 2020, which if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you probably already saw me post about it. And also, I don't think anybody cares about my Spotify wrapped other than me, but I am the one with the microphone. So I'm gonna tell you <laughs> what I've listened to this year. I, oh my God, I, I'm obsessed with <laughs> tracking things and the fact that there are so many apps that yes, I give, you know, all of my privacy to and I tell them way too much information about myself. Yeah, there's that trade-off, but the reward is at the end of the year, they give me this like nicely designed little wrapped up package to spit some of my data back to me and I get to enjoy it. I don't know what it is about like, tracking things and having like very con concrete numbers or, you know, quantitative or qualitative, um, you know, things to look at. But like, for some reason, I'm very into that. Ooh, sorry guys. Hey, <laughs> sounds very like, oh, like, I don't know. I'm just like such a dork. I'm such a geek, you guys. I like information about myself. Um, but anyway, my Spotify wrapped. My top genre this year was indie pop. And then we have pop, rock, art pop, and rap, which was pretty interesting because usually I feel like I have more like folky kind of stuff in there and sometimes more indie combinations of genres like indie rock or indie folky bedroom pops. I don't know, but I'm fine with it. Um, <laughs> I'm fine with pop, okay? I'm fine with indie pop or whatever form. Um, my top songs, <laughs> Lights Up by Harry Styles was number one. Number two, Adore You by Harry Styles. I was a Harry Styles stan this year. I didn't even realize it. Again, I wasn't, I wasn't actively noting this, but was I always reaching for Harry's album? Yes. Uh, my third song is Rose Golden by Kid Cudi and Willow. And then my number four song is Bus Stop World 
by Cartoon Lizard. Highly recommend this band. They're an indie band, very indie, from Vancouver. They, two, two of the band members are also band members for my friend and artist Haley Blay. So um, yeah, she recommended them and I love their sound. <laughs> I do not want to sound like a, a music square right now, but I sometimes I get vibes like, um, like dirty projectors type of influences and I'm a big fan of dirty projectors. So when I listen to their music, it's just like, I feel like it's a great combination of all of the usual indie, folky, sometimes poppy music that I like. So, hmm, cool. I love trying to describe why I like the things I like. I'm like, it's exactly like the other things I like. So that's why I like it. And then we have number five, Stars and Moons by Dizzy, which I was kind of surprised about, but it, it, I definitely listened to it a lot. <laughs> That's obvious. Um, what bugs me though a little bit is that obviously my Spotify wrapped tends to be dominated by the things that I listen to the earliest in the year, because then I'm listening to them a lot then and then probably continuing throughout the year. So like, I feel like things just get like a little twisted because it's like, oh, that's just what I listened to in January. And I always listen to my my playlist for like four months at a time. So it just gets a lot of play time. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> my top decade was the 2000s. My top artists, Harry Styles, unsurprisingly. Lana Del Rey was my second, which Lana has been on my top lists like for the past four years, so that's not surprising. She's in a lot of my like older playlists that I go back and listen to. Um, she gets recommended in different mixes for me. But this year, with her very problematic white feminist rants, I've felt like more uncomfortable listening to her music. We can talk about separating art from the artist or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's it's just weird now that I like when I see her stuff come up, I'm like, no, Lana, no, I just, I almost want to put you in the corner for just a bit, a bit to like mentally reset, you know? Anyway, then we have one to number three top artist, Cartoon Lizard. Again, I told you as soon as I found their music, I was like, this is my, this is my shit. I will listen to it nonstop. I actually, I have this thing on Spotify where I don't know, I'd have to talk about how I build my playlist, but I basically, if I get recommendations or whatever, I'll add it to my playlist and then I just start listening and then sometimes I'll go to the artists that I like and add a few more random songs, but it's not very methodical. And so there are often a lot of songs that I miss from artists that I absolutely love. So I had recently, after I looked at my Spotify wrapped, I had gone back to Cartoon Lizard's page and I had found all the songs that I didn't already know, and I added those to my early 2021 playlist. So my obsession with Cartoon Lizard will continue. Then we have number four, Haley Blay, which her album, Below the Salt, is actually sitting right back there. That is the only vinyl that I own, and I bought it before I even have a record player, just because I'm a big fan, big fan, want to support, but um, genuinely Haley's music, every time she releases anything, it always ends up in my top songs or my top albums of the year. Um, and I, I stan, dare I say. And then number five is Marina, formerly Marina and the Diamonds. I do really love Marina and um, <laughs> I don't see that stopping anytime soon. Then finally, we have my letterboxed film stats. And, oh, by the way, <laughs> regarding my obsessive tracking and wanting data and everything. If you are similar, I recommend using uh, Letterboxd to track the films that you watch. I also recommend... <laughs> I'm literally switching. I used to listen to my podcasts on the Apple Podcast app, and now I've been listening on Spotify because I want my podcast data to be included in my next year's wrapped, which is just absolutely unhinged unhinged behavior for the sake of data, but again, I want it because this year it said I didn't listen to anything and I listened to a lot of podcasts. I listened to a lot of My Favorite Murder this summer and I listened to a lot of other podcasts, but none of that was reflected. And if it's not reflected in some cute, organized infographic, what is the point of enjoying art? <laughs> art for art's sake? For enjoyment? <laughs> No, there's no point. So anyway, uh, I would also recommend Letterboxd. Any app that you can use to track the things that you consume, 
other than food, I would say, is good. Well, unless you want to... I did want to find like a, a wine app to track the wines that I've tried. Because sometimes I try them and then I forget which ones I've had. So, <laughs> anyway. Um, the films that I have watched. I paid for Letterboxd Pro this year so that I could have more stats. I'm... I'm too much. This is too much now that I'm saying it out loud. But I now know that I've watched 127 films this year, which I don't know how that compares to normal, but I think it's a lot more. And very few of those were during the summer. Like, I would either watch zero or like one movie a week for a lot of the summer. And then this last semester, I was watching an average of five films per week, thanks to my film studies and my... Uh, yeah, my film and media courses. I was watching way too many movies, and it is not nearly as fun to watch movies when they are required viewings and <laughs> genres that I don't enjoy, but that's, that's another topic. Um, if you've listened to the last few podcast episodes, my solo episodes, you would hear me do my ratings and my recent watches, so maybe you have heard a little bit. So I'm going to share some of my top ratings, but take my ratings with a grain of salt because I, despite being a film student, I've studied film, film's technically like my minor, um, I don't always like to watch films critically and I have no desire in like my personal spare time to like analyze and like criticize a film heavily every time I watch something because that's just exhausting. I don't leave reviews on Letterboxd. I do rate things, but even my ratings are like, mm. so my ratings tend to be um, just based on how much I enjoyed the experience of watching the movie. So like I could rate a shitty movie pretty high if I enjoyed it or like a good, mo uh, you know, Oscar nominated best film, you know, movie. I might not enjoy that much and I might give it a lower rating, even though I know the film student in me tells me, oh, you should rate this highly because of this and that. And, you know, what about the cinematography? And I'm like, mm, I don't know. So my ratings are, uh, you know, opinions. That's all I can say. My highest rated for 2020 releases are, no need to drum, but I did it, committed to the bit, Queen's Gambit, which honestly, I think I rated it four and a half stars, but I think it deserves five. That was a banger of a show. And yes, Letterboxd does include limited series types of things, so it's not just films. Anyway, then we have Unorthodox, which also was a limited series. I really enjoyed that one. It was, it was very interesting, and I would like to perhaps read more about the um, Hasidic Jewish populations. A little bit more about the history of Williamsburg, even. I don't know. And then a documentary called Crip Camp. I think I watched that probably... Was that this year? That seems like way too long ago. Yeah. That must have been in, like, February. Um, I really enjoyed that. It was about um, a camp for disabled young people. And it was really cool to see, you know, these friendship groups form. And then, as I remember, they all grew up and... A lot of them kind of became disability activists and they did like sit-ins and protests and it was just it was a great documentary so I must have enjoyed it. <laughs> then we have Soul, recent watch, also Onward, which come on make me cry, all of these movies. <laughs> uh, the Trial of the Chicago 7, that was a recent watch, Tiger King, can't even believe that was 2020, we all feel like it's been a decade since. And then The Haunting of Bly Manor, another limited series, which, yeah, by the end I did enjoy a fair bit. So all of those were rated between 4.5 and 4 stars. I'm a little more tough now. You know, when it comes to giving out 5-star ratings, I'm strict. I'm not just going to hand those out like I used to. So now I feel like I can like never rate anything 5 stars. Because it's like so much pressure. <laughs> But again, I remind myself, I'm like, you're using this app for fun. There are no stakes to how you rate your letterboxed viewings. So just like do whatever. So yeah, trying to not put pressure on these completely arbitrary uh, tools that I use for my own enjoyment. Anyway, now we are at the point where uh, I should probably take a break. <laughs> that was almost like a bit of a 
Um, and the winner is going to be announced after the break. Yes, give me one moment and we'll be back. I should probably drink a sip of water. Bye. And we're back. So one last little bit before we get into my 2020 goals. Um, I just wanna talk about the reflecting and organizing that I've been doing in the last few weeks. Um, I was so excited to be done with school and I kept planning ahead like, oh, as soon as I'm done, I'm gonna start posting video after video. I'm gonna pre-film podcasts and stuff so that everything can go live. Mm. And then I, you know, my brain was mush by the time I finished my last essay. And by the way, shout out to my professors. I think, you know, almost all of them gave me extensions, which were so, so needed, and I would not have been able to get through writing all of my finals without that. I had one professor who said no, and I was kind of upset, but <laughs> it ended up being okay, and I finished the assignment, and I got a good grade in the class or whatever. But, um, <laughs> so when I finished my last final, I was like, okay, so now I'm I'm done. But then I realized, I was like, I actually want a break. I would like to take some time, like, off, off. No need to jump right back into work, like, especially during the holidays, and especially when we have so few <laughs> celebrations going on. I was like, I just want to appreciate, you know, having nothing to do, nothing do. And, you know, Nathan's been off work for, you know, a week for Christmas. And so I was like, you know, I shouldn't be trying to work a lot while Nathan's here. I just told him that yesterday. He's like, well, we've just been kind of sitting around. Like, you could have been working this whole time. And I was like, shh, no, 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 this is for your sake. It's for you that I'm not working that I'm taking time off. And yes, do I spend many hours in the corner of my couch playing Animal Crossing? Yes, but that's for you, my sweet partner. <laughs> so anyway, what I have been doing, uh, I immediately started organizing and reflecting stuff that I had been putting off for a long time. So I got to go through my one second every day, which is another app for people. If you're very nostalgic and you love to keep track of shit, memories, uh, use one second every day. I've paid for the full pro thing. I, all these apps get me and I'm like, yes, pro, give me all the features. Thank you. It'll be totally worth it. But it is. Um, I've been doing one second every day since 2018. And um, I did it during 2019. I'm never consistent, unsurprisingly, with getting it every single day, but um, I, I find that it's still a very good encapsulation of the year, even if you miss however many days, because like, who cares? <laughs> um, and you can also add like two seconds for one day. So like, and whatever, it makes up for it. So I actually, in 2019, never went through to finish it because Every day you're supposed to pick your little video clip and blah, 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 and keep up with that. And then at the end of the year, you can mash it into the full video. And in 2019, I just never got around to doing that. So this year I had to go all the way back and do all of 2019s. And then I had to go through all of 2020s. And it actually took me like many, many hours of work to <laughs> go through all of that. And I had to ask Nathan if I could find videos on his phone for the days that I didn't film anything very complicated stuff. And again, I'm like, I'm putting this onto myself. This is completely voluntary. No one's telling me to do this, but I enjoy it because then I can look back on the memes and the good and the bad, especially this year. Um, a lot of my seconds this year were capturing like pandemic moments, which was like not meant to be like some, you know, deep thing, but it was kind of just like you know, the first time I went to the grocery store and we were like wearing our gloves and our masks and I saw a little sign that said something about social distancing. I was like, wow, I've got to capture this. I've got to capture like what it feels like to be living this right now. So I'm, I'm glad that I filmed some stuff and like the eeriness of the, you know, highway signs that say stay home. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds very fake deep when I'm describing it right now. But um, oh, that was quick. Jeepers. Sorry, Nathan just walked in the door. He went to go buy us snacks and I thought he would be gone for a lot longer, but I think he just went around the corner. Anyway, uh, as I was saying, my one second every day has pretty much been eerie pandemic moments and also just lots of my boyfriend and I on the couch because that is where I have lived this year. Just sitting on my couch, same spot every day, but that's, I mean, again, uh, that's very typical for anyone who's been lucky enough to 
stay home for most of this year. Um, another thing I've been doing in the last few weeks since I've finished school, which actually I think it's only been like eight, nine days. I don't know. I've been organizing my finances. So I usually, I have a system. I have like an app that has all my transactions and then I go in and make sure they're the right category and blah, blah, blah. I adjust the amounts if like I've been paid back for something. And then I put it into an annual budget spreadsheet on Google Sheets. And um, I ideally would do this like, I mean, ideally like every two weeks, but like maximum every month so that I don't have a ton of stuff to go through, but I had somehow ignored this for pretty much the last semester, so I had to catch up on like three months of all my transactions and stuff, which again is not very fun work to go through, but there's no way that I could just let myself not do it. <laughs> so I was like, okay, we're gonna have fun. And then again, we'll have all the data, we'll have the information, we'll be able to see how much we spent on gifts this year or how much we spent on personal care. It's like, wowee, cool. But I think it really is helpful, especially for me to reflect on, you know, my financial goals for next year or what do I need to cut down on or, you know, how much am I spending in general? Is lifestyle creep happening? Lifestyle inflation? Um, so yes. Now let's finally get into my 2020 goals, okay? I know that I can just ramble forever. But we're finally getting to the point of this episode. <laughs> so I had this piece of paper that I found hidden in my desk where I wrote all my goals down and I'm gonna go over them. My first goal was to read 18 books and I did not do it. I know a lot of people, well, readers, a lot of readers read the most they've ever read. Like I think Lex Croucher read 100 books this year and like 18 books I think was like, not a crazy, you know, goal for myself, but I thought, I thought it's doable. It's a little bit of a stretch, but we'll see. Did not do it. Not at all. I have read a lot this year, but not, not a lot of books, um, mostly academic journals for my essays, but I have only finished two books, two books, baby. So I read Normal People by Sally Rooney in June, and that was a really quick, easy read that was really nice. I I didn't really love the book and I did end up watching the TV series as well, which I enjoyed, but I didn't love the book. It was okay though. Uh, my biggest accomplishment in terms of reading was this summer, I finally finished It by Stephen King, which is a massive book. It's like, well, it's 1,116 pages. It is thick. It is such a pain to carry around. One time I considered literally cutting it in half until people told me that that is blasphemy for books. Um, but really I was like, why couldn't they have made this book in two parts? Because I literally just don't want to carry around all these pages. Um, I had started reading it I think in like 2018 or 2019, I don't remember. It was early enough to where I wanted to finish reading it by the time that it, part two, the movie came out and I just did not do that. So uh, this summer I finally had some time to do reading and I was like, I'm going to read this fucking book. I'm gonna finish it. <laughs> and um, again, it's like, it's, it, I enjoyed the book, but it's just so much and it feels like it's never ending. So um, I finished it in July. I felt like a marathon runner. And I read, this year I read 701 to 116. No, I'm not saying that right. I read the last 415 pages. So that's actually not like that much, but for some reason it felt like a lot. <laughs> so anyway, and then I also have a few books in progress. My Goodreads, again, another app where you can track shit. My Goodreads just has so many books in progress right now and it's kind of annoying me, but like I've read a little bit of a lot of books and I hope that I can get them finished um, maybe in 2021. But I have The Assassination of Fred Hampton and I read just a few pages from that. It's a great book so far, but um, I find that it's really hard for me to read nonfiction. Like I can only read it in small chunks, especially during school, <laughs> like I just don't have that much room in my brain for um, anything too educational or heavy. 
but that is a great book and I'm very interested in finishing it. I also have the classic How to Do Nothing by Jenny O'Dell, which is a book that I have recommended in probably four videos now. I really love the concept. I think I'm halfway done reading it. Um, I started it in April, but I just feel like a fraud because I've mentioned this book so many times and I still haven't even finished reading it, but that's okay. You know, it's not, it's not about the end. It's about the experience of reading it and it's what you get out of it, right? So I've read, uh, I read a hundred pages of that this year. And then I have a few books from my classes. One book is called The Image by Daniel Borston. And I read, it was required reading for this class. I was supposed to read the whole book. <laughs> I read everything except chapter five, which I think is like the last chapter before the conclusion. Um, and it's funny because like that chapter kind of wraps up everything. And I did not read that one because the chapter before it took me so long that I was really behind in my reading and I just literally didn't have time. But now I feel like eventually I should go through and finish that last chapter because then I can finish the book and I can track it on my Goodreads, okay? Then I have 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now by Jaron Lanier. That, that book title angers me every time I see it because like in my mind, it's like, oh, the like, you should delete social media book. But I'm like, 10 arguments for deleting your social media accounts right now. Too many words, Jaron Lanier. <laughs> if you've seen The Social Dilemma, he was interviewed in that. I think he's the guy with the, I believe they're dreadlocks. He's a character. Um, I was surprised though and relieved that that book is actually a very easy read. It's very, very accessible. It's very conversational. So it's not like a dense academic thing. Um, so anybody can read it. It doesn't feel like you're reading a, a college book, which thank you, professor, for assigning it. Um, and again, I was supposed to read the whole book and I got lost, but I did read, I read some chapters and then skipped a few and then read some at the end. So again, I've got to go back and find whatever chapters I've skipped and just finish those so I can track that. Um, yeah, and then I added up the total pages, counting all the chapters that I've read from all those different books. And this year I read 1,103 pages, officially. I did, of course, read um, some of my other professors have their own books that I read from, but I didn't track them on Goodreads. So that's that's that. I don't know what that translates to. Maybe the equivalent of like three or four regular novels. <laughs> like, I don't know. But uh, I do have another reading goal for 2021. Um, I realized that I have four novels on my bookshelf that I've already bought and have been waiting to read. And I'm so excited to read novels because again, I'm done with academic reading for now. My brain does not want it. Um, and I... Th those are the books that I can read the fastest and the ones that really hook me in and like, you know, I want to sit and read a novel and get wrapped up in the story. I just don't do that the same with nonfiction, typically. Um, so I'm excited to read those, including Lindsay Ellis's book, which is called Axiom's End, her first um, novel. So I'm really excited about that. I also do have two nonfiction educational books, Manufacturing Consent, Chomsky, and also The Socialist Manifesto, both of which are highly recommended and I know that they're important books um, and I do wanna read them, but I, I have to think of them as like one chapter at a time, one little piece at a time, not give myself you know, the pressure of thinking I have to speed read through these books because I'm sure they're a little bit dense especially manufacturing consent, I assume. Um, and I also would like to finish the books that I have in progress. So hopefully I can do that. My goal for 2021 is just 12 books, okay? That should be very doable, you know, as long as I'm enjoying myself. Again, I don't wanna force myself. I don't wanna make this a chore, but I do think in terms of like personal satisfaction, like I, straight up, I've been spending too much time playing my Switch on Animal Crossing. It's just not justified. My island is five star now. Like, how many hours do I need to spend every day <laughs> playing this game and when is it going to stop? Um, but also, you know, just the classic, I would like to spend less time looking at screens and I would like to enjoy books. 
So 12 bucks for 2021, let's see if I can do it. Hopefully I can do more than that. But again, I wanna just enjoy it and not put pressure on it. Next goal, pay off all my student debt. That was on my goal list for this year. And I did not do that, but I will explain. It, it had been my goal. I was like, oh, it would be so amazing if I could pay off all my debt before I graduate. So then I can graduate and say that I, boom, I paid off all my debt. I think in total, I took out 27,000 in student loans um, from my time at Loyola and study abroad and all that. Um, and in 2019, I paid off a good bit. And then, um, at the beginning of this year, like in January, I paid off my Parent PLUS loans. So I gave all that money to my parents because it's obviously under their names. And that was about 8,400. So I knocked out a big one at the beginning of this year. And then um, I paid off the last of my unsubsidized loans. So now I have $7,000 left in subsidized loans. And I thought that I would leave those for the time that I was in school because that's the point of them being subsidized. While you're in school, the government continues to pay your interest. So I just thought like, in terms of financial priorities, it would just make sense for me to not um, rush to pay those off if there was no rush, you know? And then um, COVID, COVID relief uh, has allowed everyone to pause their student loan payments. And I believe that everything's zero interest for the year anyway so that's kind of been nice um but also yeah i i was so aggressive about paying off debt in 2019 and i was so excited to keep paying off debt in 2020 which again was still a big goal but then i realized again with the start of the pandemic i need an emergency fund and um when it started i didn't have like anything in savings because i had just been you know, I was like, oh, money's coming in every month and I'm paying off debt in big chunks. Like, I'll be fine. I don't need my emergency fund yet. Like, I'll wait six months. But then when the pandemic started and I realized like, oh my God, like, what if, what if Google AdSense like crashes? And then what if the brand deals that I've done like cancel on me or what if they can't pay me? Like, I'd be screwed. So that's when I realized that I needed to prioritize my emergency fund. So I was able to build up um, three months of living expenses, which is about 10K, which is awesome. It's very cool to see money in a savings account. I've always had one connected to my checking, but it's literally had like $2 in it. Um, Cause I, I've never been in a saving mode. Um, you know, I was in debt and then I was in paying off debt mode. And so, yeah, the, the concept of saving was kind of foreign to me. And that's something that I had to learn this year and really value. And it's something that's been a huge relief because, you know, at the very least I know, you know, I can pay my rent for the next few months or whatever happens, I have this little bit of a cushion, which is great. If you're in a position where you can build up your emergency fund, I highly recommend that you do it as soon as possible. And even if you're, you know, in a not great financial position, just try to make a plan and save even little bits of money every month um, toward that because it's very important. By the way, sorry if you can hear my hissing heaters. It's that time of the year, it's the winter, and even if it's the middle of the day, the heaters turn on at odd hours and I just, it ruins my audio, but that's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, the emergency fund was actually on my to-do list as well so that's good so wait was i thinking about it oh okay so i did put it on my list before the pandemic started but it just wasn't my priority i got it i opened a high yield savings account with ally which is an online bank it's highly recommended um their interest rate has gone down a lot like consistently like every month they keep cutting it which i don't really mind because it's just more about me getting used to putting my money in a different place and not touching it. Um, I also really like their bucket system. So like you can have one savings account, but they can do little buckets. So like you can unofficially move the money around and distribute it the way that you want. So I have like my taxes, you know, savings and I have my emergency fund and other, other savings buckets. So sorry, I'm choking. <laughs> 
that's fun. My voice is going. It's it's really hard to. <laughs> I sound like I'm crying. I'm not. Um, I've realized obviously through this whole year I've been talking a lot less. So every time I even film a video or if I record a podcast or even if I talk on the phone to my mom for like an hour, I start to lose my voice because uh, <laughs> I don't talk that much anymore. So I really need to start doing like vocal warm-ups or exercises because it's painful. <laughs> but I'm like, hey, don't worry. I'm enjoying doing the pod. I just wish that my voice would, uh, would function. Anyway, continuing. Another financial goal I had for 2020 was opening a Roth IRA, which I did. Finally, I started a retirement account. Uh, this was a big deal to me because I, you know, everybody emphasizes how important it is to start your retirement fund early, you know, the younger the better, blah, blah, blah. And so for me, I was a little bit intimidated. Like, I didn't know where to begin. I didn't know who to go with. I didn't know... Like, I knew that I needed a Roth IRA because I'm self-employed, so I don't qualify for like a traditional IRA that you would get with a different job as an employee. Um, so anyway, it's going well so far. I have not fully funded it for this year yet, but maybe I will if I find that money. I'll need to take a closer look at my expenses, but... Um, with a Roth IRA, there's not the same tax benefit as there is with other IRAs, because um, I think Roth IRAs are after tax money. So like, I, I might be saying this backwards, but a traditional IRA contribution, you would get a tax deduction, I think. So <laughs> I think you have to pay taxes on it later, like when you retire and you take the money out. But um, for the time being, you get a benefit from that. So anyway, I don't know. I just need to keep keep one eye on the retirement because it is an important goal, but I'm also, um, I have shorter term financial goals that I want to focus on as well. So my 2021 financial goals, while we're talking about it, uh, as I said, I want to be more mindful of my spending. I want to be more intentional with my saving. I think I need to be as aggressive with my saving as I was with paying off debt. Um, I, I think my next big savings goal is starting to save for a down payment, which is of course a major goal and one that will take a long time to reach. But I think that it's important for me to have something tangible and really big for me to look forward to. Um, cause like just putting money in my savings as savings is not quite as fun, but like if I can spend some time on Zillow being like, oh, in a couple years, maybe you can have a down payment for a house like this. I just think that's motivating. So I think that's that's what I'll be thinking about this year. I also would like to max out my Roth IRA contribution for 2021. And um, just a general financial goal is to be generous with donations. So this year I've donated a lot, um, usually just like small amounts here and there to mutual aid groups or just direct Venmo or PayPal to people that I see on um, Twitter or anywhere else, or just smaller fundraisers, GoFundMes. Um, I just watched a video today about nonprofits. I'll link it in the description. Um, and basically just how, like, you know, it's not a big secret for a lot of people, but a lot of the money from nonprofits tends to just be for employee pay and blah, blah, blah. And for a lot of organizations, the amount that actually goes toward the cause is very little. So I think that it's awesome in, in the ways that you can to just contribute directly to people. And that's why mutual aid is so important because those mutual aid funds are just direct. Like they give directly to people or directly to specific causes. And it's even better if you can find mutual aid funds in your area so that you can you know directly be supporting your community. So that's something I want to do more and I want to find more local either Queens or just New York City based funds. So we'll do that. My voice is really going. This is getting painful, but it's okay. My next to do for this year was graduate with honors, question mark. That's how I wrote it. Um, yes, well, I am graduating and I believe I'm graduating with honors. I think I have a 3.88 GPA, which is magna cum laude. 
<laughs> do not know how to pronounce that. I've been, I've been dreading saying that because I don't know how to say it out loud. Magna cum laude, summa, it's magna. The second highest honors, which is cool, but also am I a little bit salty that I didn't get the top honors? Yes, because the top honors start at 3.9 or 3.0, yeah, I think 3.9. So I'm kind of pissed because like, you know, I got like a B plus once and like that could have been the difference between this honor and the higher honor. So <laughs> that's my previously gifted brain just being like, your GPI matters. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. And they're like, yeah, it does. What about the honors that you get? It's like, <sighs> Maybe if I apply to grad school someday, it'll matter, but I mean, I did, I did well enough, so I'm happy with the GPA I got, and I'm graduating, okay? Whew, my commencement, I think, is in like two weeks or something. I am very excited. It still does not feel real. Next goal on my list for 2020 was to submit a film to a festival, and no, I did not do this. My goal was vaguely Buffer Fest, if you're familiar. I don't know why, but I, I like, I've seen some of my YouTube friends go to Buffer Fest and like submit uh, short films to that. And so like, I was just imagining like, I wanna go to Buffer, I wanna see the YouTube people, I wanna go to Toronto. And um, yeah, that did not end up happening. Even if it wasn't 2020 with COVID and everything, um, I just would not have had time to like create a short film this year, I don't think. But this goal is on my list again for 2021. Um, it is it is important to me to still try to hold myself to a higher standard and try to create films, quote unquote, instead of just videos. I just want to push myself that little bit further in terms of production and organization. And hopefully I can create something that uh, will be accepted by a festival someday because I crave, you know, outer um, recognition, <laughs> you know? My next goal for 2020 was be a Bernie Sanders delegate at the DNC. So, wow, this is a lot. And this was like a major goal for me this year. So, you know, the presidential election that happened, you know, the uh, primary that happened. I obviously wanted Bernie to win. I've been a Bernie supporter since 2015. And I wanted to be a delegate, which would mean that if Bernie got enough votes in my district, I could be sent to the DNC to act as a voter for Bernie Sanders. So the DNC was supposed to be in Milwaukee this year. And um, yeah, I was really looking forward to it. I was like, I'm going to manifest this. I was like, not just me like going to Milwaukee, but also Bernie Sanders being nominated. Can you imagine President Bernie? <sighs> Moment of silence. That one still hurts. It cuts deep. Uh, so yeah, also the, the DNC is the Democratic Nominating Convention. Is that what it stands for? Sure, close enough. So um, yeah, it's a really big deal. And in a typical election year, um, I think it's like a three or four day event and like it's kind of hectic and you're in these giant arenas. And from what I've heard, it's just cool to like have all the energy and the excitement, especially of the other supporters of your candidate. And obviously, if Bernie had been nominated, that would have been, oh my God, I could cry. <sighs> that could have been, you know, a really, really momentous occasion. And it would have been something that personally would be really powerful to me. Am I crying? Can I still cry about Bernie losing every time? Do you guys remember? Okay, I don't know when I've mentioned this. I was featured in a documentary for Vice called Bernie Blackout. And um, one, of my, one of my old friends from my more political days was producing it, I believe. And so I was asked to be interviewed, which was stressful. And um, I, I was in the film like twice for two seconds, but one of the times was me crying. I cried on camera about Bernie. That's so embarrassing, but also so on brand. I don't regret it because tears for Bernie all day. <sighs> yeah, it still hurts, it still hurts, but Anyway, regarding this goal, I was chosen as a delegate. So this was all 
a big process. Um, you have to, you know, find the right person to reach out to who's in charge of the delegates. It's very complicated. But um, I was put in contact with that person, and then I was chosen to be one of the delegates for my district. And then I actually tried to quit, which was like last New Year's Eve, wow, a whole year ago. Um, I had almost quit because I was nervous and I didn't know if I could actually handle the pressures of like, you're supposed to go out and like petition in your neighborhood and you have to get a lot of signatures. And I just got like scared all of a sudden. I was like, no, maybe I'm not good enough for this. Like maybe this is too much to put on my plate. I don't know if I can do it. And then they basically told me like, we actually can't have you quit because like we don't have any backups so like you have to do this and I was like well okay <laughs> I was like well if I can't quit then I'm in but yeah I forgot about that I forgot that I almost quit how fucking cowardly of me you know that's so typical of me which is something that I'm not proud of is like I am so like I am truly in a lot of ways pretty lazy like I'm scared to put too much on my plate. I'm, I'm scared to over-promise and under-deliver. And so a lot of times I'm more inclined to just say no to opportunities or just bail on something rather than like, you know, rising to the occasion of a challenge. But um, so yeah, I was chosen as a delegate. And then in, you know, last January, we were out in my neighborhood with our freaking. I have like 10 clipboards in my desk now and I have this massive stack of all the papers. Um, we had to get signatures for our delegates, which is me and I think five other people. And then we also had to get separate signatures for Bernie as a candidate. This is all because like New York State has its own rules for the, the nominating process. So it's actually very difficult. And if you've ever done any kind of activist work or if you've ever just tried to get people to sign something, any sort of petitioning, um, it's really hard. It's really hard to catch people's attention. It's hard to, um, you know, you have to, in this situation, you have to find people who support Bernie. And like, it's not like I'm in, you know, areas of Brooklyn that are really, you know, overflowing with uh, Bernie supporters. So it was a little bit harder to find Bernie people in my neighborhood, but we found enough. And um, it was really challenging because it was so fucking cold. <laughs> it was like January. So it was one of the coldest times of the year. And I would just be like freezing with my gloves and my big puffy jacket and like trying to like not drop pens and papers all over. <sighs> Real fun time. But um, one of my friends, Tammy, came out to do some petitioning with me once or twice, and that was really kind of her, because it's, it's scary, it's hard, you know? Like, one time I signed up for a shift, and the woman leading it was like, okay, here, you guys just go down into the subway stations, just go down and, like, try to catch people there. I was like, this is the hardest thing ever. Like, first of all, if I were in a train station and someone were trying to come up to me, subway station, and someone were trying to come up to me, I'd be like, no, sorry, headphones, sorry. Like, you know, like I'm just not in the mood to sign something right now. Who knows what they're gonna ask me about. So like being on the other end of it was really difficult. And um, I'd go up to people and try to like do my little spiel, give my, you know, summary, and then their train would show up and then they'd have to leave before they could even sign it. So I was like, this is not working. This strategy is not effective for me. You have to be somewhat of a salesperson. You have to be, you know, a little more extroverted than I am. So I was a little too scared of the rejection and like the personal interaction. Um, but shout out to people who are, you know, petitioners or activists. All the local grassroots people who work on these campaigns are just absolute heroes. And they really put in so much time and effort to run these campaigns. Anyway, so uh, with... <laughs> with COVID, but also with everything that happened with the election. I haven't even really talked about this on the podcast, which is so funny. Um, yeah, I don't think I ever really gave my final thoughts or talked about it as the primary was going on, but there were moments where I truly thought that Bernie was going to win, such as after Nevada. And then, you know, everything happened after Super Tuesday. And then all of a sudden, you know, I think it was when Biden won big in South Carolina, and then he got, I think, Clyburn's endorsement. This is all probably irrelevant to most of you, but um, I'm just going through my memory. And then Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg both dropped out all of a sudden to support Biden. And then, um, 
Yeah, it was just a mess. Oh wait, then Super Tuesday happened. Ooh, geez. It's like, it's hard, it's hard to look back because like, that is something I was really passionate about. And like, I feel like I go through phases with politics because I'm so disillusioned by like politics as usual, but Bernie and his campaign specifically, and you know, justice Democrats, those type of um, candidates, those are the people that actually get me excited and get me involved and make me want to stay informed. But a lot of politics tends to be very depressing. So I understand why a lot of people don't want to be involved because, or even pay attention, because sometimes it's just so, either it's disappointing or it's just overwhelming. But um, yes, so Bernie did not get the nomination and that was like actually heartbreaking. And um, yeah, that, that was a tough thing. But I am really glad that I, I got to be a delegate. I was literally on the ballot. I got to go to my polling place and vote for myself as a delegate. Um, and then I think Bernie ended up winning two delegates in my district, um, but I was number three. So even if the DNC had actually happened in person, I would not have been a delegate only two um one in our district but anyway it was really cool and it was um it was an honor to be a delegate for a campaign that i love and um hey you know we're about to have president biden and vp kamala which is fascinating um but hey to get rid of trump is something that i don't think i have appreciated enough this year since we found out the election results so yeah, I think that's that's definitely something to look forward to, obviously. Um, I will not let my sadness about Bernie get in the way of my happiness in saying goodbye to Trump. Bye, bitch. <laughs> okay, my last few goals. One million subscribers. One million was on my goal list for 2020. And no, that did not happen, especially not with my upload schedule this year. I think I posted like one, maybe two videos a month, but obviously busy with school, sorry. Um, but I did have about 460,000 at the beginning of the year. And now I have about 630,000. So my channel still grew a fair bit this year, even with me barely uploading. Um, so I'm very lucky and I'm very lucky my videos still got decent views. I'm glad that people, you know, continue to support me when I upload. That's like my biggest fear is, you know, if you don't post enough, your audience is going to disappear and the algorithm's going to hate you. Um, but I was very, you know, stressed and busy this year with college work mostly. And so anyway, thank you guys for watching my channel. As always, thank you for watching my main channel. Thank you for supporting the podcast. It really does mean a lot, and I don't want to be super vain about numbers, but in terms of writing goals, I feel like it's a very um, concrete thing to look at. So it's not about the numbers, but also the numbers help, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so for 2021, one of my goals is for one of my other channels, either this podcast channel or my second vlog channel, to hit 100k because... I want another silver play button, plain and simple. Uh, I have one for my main channel, but I have one of the last, frankly, ugly versions. They have this like shadow box one, which is the one I have. And then very soon after I got mine, they upgraded it to like this more sleek silver one. And so yeah, very selfishly, I want another silver play button. So the only way I can do that is hitting 100K again on another channel. So we'll see if I can do that. We'll see if I can make the content on this channel or my vlog channel interesting enough. And then uh, I guess 1 million for Tiffany Ferg is still a goal. It's actually really scary. Um, <laughs> the thought of actually having even as many followers as I do now is like too much. And the thought of actually hitting a million and like seeing that on my own channel is like so weird. I feel like it's like, it's such a major milestone that it like kind of fucks you up. And it's it, it's scary like getting more viewers. Of course, as a YouTuber, you want more views, more subscribers. Um, but at least for me, it's definitely been um, more scary and a little more stressful as my channel grows because obviously there's more eyes on you. So yeah, the pressure is higher. Um, I actually, I would rather have higher consistent view counts than a higher sub count 
but I mean, ideally I'd have more views and higher subs, but I don't, I don't want, you know, a million subscribers, but if my views were the exact same as now, if that makes sense. So subscribe if you will watch the videos, but just watching the videos is enough. So thank you. Oh, actually subscribe, hit the like button, leave a comment. <laughs> okay. Last few goals. Sustainable merch. That was on my list for 2020. Um, I had an idea to do small locally crafted drops using thrifted shirts and then they would be screen printed. So yeah, I just, I mean, it's a normal thing for YouTubers to have merch. And um, well, first of all, I would need the right design to want to do it. I've had merch a few times in the past. Um, I think my last one was in like 2017. And I liked that one. I liked the design. In terms of like how many it sold, it was not the most successful, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, but yeah, if I were to ever create merch again, I want it to be useful. I want it to be wearable. I don't want to add to waste. So like, I don't want a bunch of people to buy a shirt that they're never going to use or wear. Um, even though, you know, it's money in my pocket. I just don't want to like encourage that mindless consumption. And also I think it would be cool to set, I know it's not a new concept, but like to, to contribute to a new standard of merch, like, oh, it is possible to use thrifted shirts, for example, and then print the design so that at least you're not, you know, generating waste in buying new t-shirts for the merch. Give, give those thrifted shirts a second life. Um, I'm sure there already are some people doing that and it does take a lot more work and effort and organization because there are already a lot of merch companies that make it really easy. Like, oh, you upload your design and they'll print the shirts and they'll mail it out for you and they'll handle customer service. So I totally understand why most creators go that route, but yeah, it's just a goal of mine. Uh, if I want to do March again, and if I find a new artist or someone to collaborate with, um, to create new designs, maybe it's something I'll consider, but, um, it's not a top priority. I just think it's a, a cool idea. <laughs> um, and then my very last thing on my list for 2020 was to collab with TFD, which is the financial diet. If you guys are not familiar, um, it's one of my favorite channels. It's basically a personal finance channel geared toward young or adult women. And um, I <laughs> I just love, I love them. I actually have a draft in my email box that I saw the other day that was from like a year or two ago where I was gonna like reach out to them and be like, hey, I'd love to collaborate on something. Um, I was like, I don't know, like why would they ever wanna collaborate with me? Like. I don't make like exclusively personal finance content. Like what do I have to contribute? But this year in March, Chelsea Fagan reached out to me. She had tweeted that she wanted to have me on her podcast, The Financial Confessions. And I literally fangirled so hard. I was so excited and I was like, yes, Chelsea. Oh my God, I would love to. I'm in New York you're in New York. I can come to the office. We can record the podcast. And that was like a few days before lockdown started. So obviously we have not done that, um, but hopefully maybe her invitation still stands and maybe someday when it's safe, I can be featured on the podcast. But yeah, that was just uh, one of my goals because she is a hero of mine in terms of creators that I really admire. And I love the financial diet. I love the channel. I love what they do to make personal finance uh, not only more accessible and a little bit less like <laughs> a lot of personal finance content is like Dave Ramsey, hustle culture, men, like <laughs> it's very male dominated. It's very ruthless, capitalistic, like do whatever you need to maximize your money. That's all that matters. And it's like, I like that TFD has a lot more of a, uh, um, just a, a better, <laughs> a better approach. No, it's a lot more, um, considerate of different circumstances. It's a lot more considerate of like community health and well-being rather than just like personal, very hyper individualistic wealth hoarding. And I think that that's good. I think, um, people definitely individually do need to, um, well, I don't want to put the onus on individuals to like, 
become financially literate, quote unquote, because there are just so many barriers. And that's why a lot of people struggle with like, where do you even begin to learn about money? So anyway, that's why channels like the, the financial diet are so important because it can help you start to learn and start to gain those skills. Um, but also, yeah, it's not, it's not just about being financially literate. And I like that Chelsea often notes all of the institutional barriers and the structures. Like it's, it's not just about how you manage your money if you're making like poverty wages. If you're not making a living wage, it doesn't matter how many budget tricks you have. If you're not earning enough money for your bare necessities, there's no way that you can like finesse your budget. You're just not making enough because you're not being paid enough. And so, yeah, I like, I like that Chelsea includes some um, anti-capitalist sentiments sometimes in the videos and criticisms of the government and promoting a stronger safety net, social safety net. And, uh, and she was a Bernie supporter, so <laughs> God bless. Um, yeah, sorry, I sound like I'm crying. <laughs> I am a little bit. No, um, I, I really hope that I get to meet Chelsea someday because I love her. <laughs> I used to like, I used to be such a big fan that I would like always be replying to her tweets, like almost a reply guy. I was like, I'm gonna have to hold myself back because I'm like too, I'm being too much. Like stop replying to every tweet. Um, but I was just, I like her as a person as far as I know her parasocially and I like the work that she does. <laughs> anyway, um, that's a good spot to end this podcast. Obviously my voice is almost gone, but, um, yeah, those are some of my goals for 2021 as well. Just trying to continue the, um, you know, goals and plans, visions that I've had and um, yeah, 2021 is gonna be a time and I'm not trying to put too much pressure on myself to have the best year ever, or to be super successful or whatever, but I just, um, you know, there's like a baseline amount of like, I always like to reflect and figure out how I can, um, I don't wanna say be better, but like, I was just watching Alina Norm's video and she was talking about how like you don't need New Year's resolutions and you don't need to try to be better in all these ways, which I do agree with. But also I'm like, I just think again, yeah, it's helpful for me to check in with myself and uh, be a little introspective and be like, hey, should you spend maybe a little less time on Animal Crossing and maybe do something else that's fulfilling to you? Or maybe like, yeah, read a book because you enjoy it. Or, you know, I don't know. So... Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a comment. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the Previously Gifted YouTube channel. I don't know if you know, but I'm trying to hit 100,000 subscribers. Um, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, hopefully I'll be back soon with a new episode. And then, you know, consistency in the new year. Totally, right? Happy New Year, you guys. Um, I really, really hope that you're doing well, no matter where you are. And Give yourself some love and some rest, and I hope that you are safe and comfortable. That's all. Okay. Bye. Okay, thanks. Bye. I haven't done this in a while. <laughs> okay, thanks. Bye.